So if you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 34. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for every heart that's open today and receptive. And thank you, Lord, for every mind that's receptive. And we thank you that your word is sent unto us today to accomplish that which you please. We thank you for it, for fruit that remains in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 34, verse 17, says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart, and save such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now, I like what the Amplified, it says the uncompromisingly righteous. He says, but the Lord delivers him out of every one of them. He keeps all his bones and not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked and they that hate the righteous, they shall be desolate. <laughs> you know, one, other scriptures say this that their house shall be made a dunghill. I mean, know what a dunghill is. You don't want that for a home. But the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Hallelujah. I put my trust in him today. So I want to ask this question today. Whoever, who of you have ever gone through something? You've gone through a trial. You've gone through, maybe you're in something right now. Maybe right now where we're talking, you are in the midst of a battle. We've all fought battles. I fought several battles last year for my life. And even to the place where I was at, at death. And, um, but you know, every one of us have gone through the fire. Who's ever felt like that? You feel like the flames are right around your neck. You just. <laughs> but I just want to encourage you today by the word of God that, that you stand. Yeah. You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that having done all to stand, stand. So when you don't know what to do, what do you do? You stand. Having done all to stand, stand. And he says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Amen. I believe that, that this year, if we're going to win in all the battles that life tries to bring against us, we're going to have to be girded and with truth around us. Yes. What, you know, think about what he gives this analogy. Yeah. He calls it this, this belt. We would say a belt, this girdle of truth. This belt, what does it do? It holds up the rest of the armor. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things you're going to have to have to make it successful this year is good doctrine and sound doctrine. Never underestimate this because, you know, we've shared this before, but, you know, no matter what happens in life, God can rescue people if they'll repent. You know, if, if you can find yourself at the bottom of life, but if you'll cry out to the Lord, he'll forgive you. He'll wash you. He'll cleanse you. So we see people, you know, that in all stratas of life, in the Bible we see this, that get rescued and get delivered and um, in all kinds of, of things. Yeah. 
But one thing that you hardly ever see is people that get out of false doctrine. There, there's such a snare because it's laced with such poison. So be very careful what you let yourself listen to. Amen. Even as I preach, don't just believe something because I said it. Look in the book. I mean, be like the, the Bible talks about those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica for they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So, you know, you need to get right here and look at the word and say, yep, it's right there. Hallelujah. And I encourage you to do that. And so when we talk about going through different things, it's part of living down here in this curse-filled world. But don't let it take you off guard. Well, you know, I thought when I became a believer, everything would just be perfect in my life. (laughs) Being a Christian doesn't assure you that you will never have any trouble. But what it does assure you is you have God with you in the midst of your trouble. He says, I will be with him in trouble. Lord, don't, you might say, well, don't prophesy that over me. I'm telling you, right? <laughs> the Bible says, you, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And the last I, I looked, Jesus never decided that he's going to forsake us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so there are tests and trials, but God gives us the victory through every one. So this morning, I want to share a a, a title I've never preached on exactly. Forged in the fire. Forged in the fire. Romans 10, 17 tells us this. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if, if you need to believe God for it, if, for something, what do you need to have? You need to have knowledge of his word. So faith comes by hearing. It doesn't come because you pray for it. God, just give me faith for that. <laughs> the Lord's going to say, I gave you the book. And so get into the book. But I want to make this statement that our faith is fed and it comes by hearing, but it's developed by doing. Your faith is, is going to be developed only by you being a doer of the word. James says, don't, don't be um, hearers only, deceiving your own self, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Yep. Do you know that really it's only when you have resistance that you grow? Now think about going to the gym. Well, you know, I'm just going to read all these good books about weightlifting. And I'm going to read and I'm going to have all the workout plans and everything. And man, I'm getting, I feel strong, stronger already. Do you know it's not until you actually go in there and provide resistance to your muscles that that's how they grow? Now we know that they don't just grow right then, but as you, as you go, as you, as you uh, overload those muscles, what happens is you have these microscopic tears and, and what happens is your body's calling on um, some help and it's calling on uh, replenishment. And so as you sleep, your body starts to repair itself and it brings bigger muscles in place. Now we know that that's not just something that, you know, you go, go to bed and, and then your arms grow four inches or something like that. It takes work. It takes hard work. And um, so anyway, the same thing spiritually. You're not going to grow go just because you read the word. 
You're not going to develop strong faith just because you're going to have to have some resistance. Now, who, how many of you have ever been in a service and you've heard someone preach about walking in love? And before you even got out of the building, you had an opportunity to prove that word in your life. Sometimes when I hear certain messages, I just think, okay, I'm going to get ready right now because I know that I know what's coming. Because what the devil, the Bible says, comes to steal the word. He comes for the word's sake. Even as you're sitting here right now, when he wants to distract you, he wants you to be thinking about everything else. He wants you to be, you know, thinking about everything else. And so I know that's what the devil comes for. So, so that's why when I'm in a service, I want laser focus and I want to be listening to the word because I'm not going to let the devil steal that word out of my heart. Can you say amen? amen. Just read Mark 4 when it talks about the, the parable of the sower. The Bible talks about different individuals who when they received the word, they received it with joy. And they were like, man, that was a good word today. But by the end of the afternoon, the devil, he already stole it from them. How? Through cares. The Bible says the lust of other things. Through offense, through, through unforgiveness. All these different things, yeah. the enemy. So, but the Bible says that we're not ignorant of his devices. So when it comes to, to walking in love, joy, peace, patience, the only way we grow in these things is by having resistance. Yeah. Amen. And then your love grows. Your faith muscles grow. Your peace muscles grow. You know, what, what happens many times is, just say, for instance, if you're out here and you're, you're, waiting, in, you're waiting in the checkout. Now, it's, it's not like this anymore so much, you know, but, you know, maybe a, an older store or whatever. We have so many self-checkouts, but, you know, it's like you go to, the, to the, um, the 10 items or less and there's someone that has 25. Well, that's a good time for you to work out your patience right there. But a lot of people, they say, well... You know, I have an opportunity to work out right now. Uh, I'll pass next time, you know. And so then they just yield to the flesh. But it, at all times, we have the opportunity to, to yield to what's on the inside. And that's what walking in the Spirit is. A lot of times people think walking in the Spirit is some mystical realm. Ooh, he's really in the Spirit. But really, what it is is just walking according to what we have on the inside and not what's on the outside. Now, I like what Smith Wigglesworth said, great man of faith. He says, great faith comes out of great test. And great victories come out of great battles. <laughs> Don't worry, by the end you'll be shouting. Great faith comes out of great test. Do you want great faith? Then, then you're going to have to use your faith in the test of life. Great victories come out of great battles. You know, some people say, you know, oh, dear Lord, don't, don't pray for patience, you know, thinking that God's going to send something into, into your life. But we all have an opportunity to, to work our patience out every single day. How many know that's true? Everything, every person in life has two things, your love walk and your, your patience. Every day is going to have a test. And whether you pass those tests or not determines actually whether you're promoted or not and, and how quickly. And so never feel bad, though, that you're going through things. Don't think it, well, you know, I must have done something wrong. And No, all of these things 
the Bible says that many other afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Now, over in the book of First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, chapter number three. I want you to listen to Paul encouraging them. He says, "Wherefore, verse one, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it not good, or we thought it good to be left at Athens alone." And sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer. You and I are fellow laborers. You know, whether you stand in a pulpit or not, you are a fellow laborer in the Lord. Hallelujah. No little, no big I and little you. He says, I sent him in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Now, when you read the epistles, we see this constantly when it talks about confirming the souls of different ones. Well, one of the things you'll, you'll see here, he says, to comfort you concerning your faith. So what he all, they did is they would go in and teach something, and if they didn't know it, you know, that's planting seed. But if they did know something, then they're just watering the seed and strengthening and confirming the souls. Why? Because... One of the things we have to realize is, yes, we need souls coming in the kingdom all the time, but those brand new souls need much nurturing and much growth. And thank God for the teacher. Thank God for the pastors that, that, that feed the flock of God. Paul said, feed the flock of God. Peter said, feed the flock of God. You know, not for filthy lucre's sake, but of a ready mind. And so the people of God need to be fed. Thank you, Lord. So look at what he says here, though, in verse 3. Well, at the end of verse 2, he says, He's going to establish you and comfort you concerning your faith that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. So what's he saying? It comes with the turf. He says, don't worry about it. It just comes with the turf. Now, don't you listen to what Paul said in Acts chapter 20. Let me know that Paul was a man of faith. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I think he knew. I mean, God uh, obviously had the man, uh, the man knew who he was talking about. Acts chapter 20 and verse 19. He says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. You know another way of saying that is like I've got to go. I'm bound in the spirit. I just have to go. Who's ever done... You just had the Lord quicken you with something. I just got to do this. I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to buy this. I got to go visit this person. He's saying, I'm bound in the spirit under Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save or accept that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. <laughs> so every place that, that Paul goes, he has this same... Thing by the Spirit, that, that there's bonds and afflictions waiting for me. 
I mean, a lot of people say, Lord, is there any other word here? You know, well, is there something else that I can, let me, you know. It's like the man in the Old Testament. He said, talking about one of the prophets, he said, I hate him. Because all he does is give me bad prophecies. <laughs> but here, here listen to what, what Paul said, though. He said, the bonds and afflictions abide me. Uh, the, the margin says they wait for me. But none of these things move me. Say that with me. None of these things move me. So what about trouble that comes to your life? None of these things move me. What about resistance that comes against you? None of these things move me. What about persecution? None of these things move me. You know, if, if you're not having some persecution, and I'm not talking about because you did something stupid. You know, people think, well, you know, the people are persecuting me. Meanwhile, you know, they... They robbed the gas station or something like that. And no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about because you did righteous things. The Bible says, yes, those, all those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. A lot of people just think, well, you know, I'm, I'm receiving persecution. And they, they are only thinking or, or they're thinking like suffering. There, there is a suffering according to the will of God and it's called persecution. I don't have to suffer sickness and disease. That's, Jesus already took that. I don't have to suffer lack because Jesus took that. But I do have to suffer persecution for my faith. Why? Because Jesus did, and I'm not above my master. Hallelujah. But he's with you. And that's why he said here, none of these things move me, neither count on my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. See, if, you, if, you, if you're just holding on to your life, what did the Lord say? You'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sakes, then you'll gain it. Amen. That's why when it comes to your reputation, <laughs> you can't just always... I mean, you want to do what's right according to the Word of God, but people are going to say any manner of thing about you. You know, if you're, if you're always trying to put out fires about what people think about you, you're going to be too busy all the time. How I many how I many know most people don't think anyway? So it doesn't matter, really matter what they think. Amen. You have to die to the opinions of people. You have to die. I'm not saying that's an easy thing, especially in the ministry. When you, when you can help people and you bless people and you pour into people and you give money to people and, and then they just turn around and just walk away. Amen. We don't own anybody. So, you know, we, we try to help people and if they go, they go. Amen. But your heart goes out to people. But trouble is only there to break your focus. You know, the only reason trouble comes to your life is to break your focus. But actually, through the troubles that we have, we are to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So we're talking about being forged in the fire. So God's will today is though you've had tests and trials and going through something right now, 
that you're going to come out on the other side and be purified. But let me say this. God tempts no man. You know James says that? He said God tempts no man with evil. He cannot be tempted with evil. But he says every man is, is drawn away um, by his own desires. And then, then it goes on to talk about, and then the devil tempts as well. But we, that's why we have to deal with the flesh and crucify the flesh. But God tempts no man, or, and God doesn't send trials. But through faith in him, we're going to overcome them all. I mean, no, God doesn't, well, you know, God sent this into my life. God sent this in my life. A lot of those things can either be one of two things. My own fault, or it's because I'm just living down here. So you're going to be persecuted for doing what's wrong. You're going to be persecuted for doing what's right. I'd rather it be for doing what's right. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And so I want you to turn over to the book of Daniel chapter 3. Hallelujah. I want to share just a little bit. Just I, So we said that we want to be forged in the fire. That we are forged in the fire. And maybe you know some of this, but I just want to share just a little bit about the refining process. Gold and, and silver are what we call precious gold, precious metals. It said gold, I'm just going to read some of this, is a century-old precious metal and store of high quality value regarded across various cultures worldwide. And he, he goes on to talk about how geologists estimate that as of 2020, about 80% of the world's gold has been mined and is above ground. The process of gold refining creates gold bars that are of high quality and purity by separating the gold from those other metals. The process begins when the refinery facility receives the raw material to extract gold. This can include ore, rocks, gold nuggets, scrap gold jewelry. Um, the refinery takes the refinery takes that raw material and reliquifies the metal in an extremely hot furnace, as gold's melting point is a scalding 1,948 degrees Fahrenheit. Here, various chemicals are added to the molten mix to isolate the gold from the other, less desired metals. This process of extensive smelting involving extreme heat pressure. Notice that word pressure. Who's ever felt pressure? You're going through, you might be going through the fire a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that's God's fire. I'm just saying you're going through fire. You're going through life. You're going through um, the things, or they're, they're squeezing things. And what's going to happen is it's going to squeeze something out of you. Yeah. <clears throat> and so this process of, let's see, of extensive smelting involving extreme heat pressure and several chemicals results in the removal of various impurities. After the purification process is complete, a sample from that round of smelting is used in an assay to determine the precise purity of the gold content. Assaying refers to the process of verifying the purity and or the weight 
of a gold piece. After the assaying process is complete, the gold is ready to be reformed into many different types of molds. It can be formed into a gold bar or coin, or it can be developed for use in electronics, furniture, buildings, and more. <clears throat> gold refining takes an object consisting of any percentage of gold to make a final product that consists of only pure gold. Who wants to, to be pure? The real thing. Once the pure gold content is thoroughly separated from the other metals within the alloy, it can be used to serve myriad purposes. It is a necessary process leveraged by gold dealers, retailers, resellers, and pawnbrokers to accept objects consisting of gold. Only through gold refining can the actual gold content be measured and appraised to be recycled into a new gold piece. The purer a gold bar is, the more value it holds. The process of refining allows for a higher quality bar to be created for investors to access. <clears throat> he says e-waste, throwing away old computers and other technological devices, results in the annual disposal of an estimated $60 million worth of precious metals. Refining with recycled materials provides a more sustainable way to create and obtain a pure gold bar. So, Think about this, this process. <clears throat> now, I want to I talk about the process that, that we as believers need to be in every day. Transformation. How many know that we are to be transformed, the Bible says, by the renewing of our mind? One of the things that as a believer that a lot of people forget is the transforming process. We used to sing a song, change my heart, oh God, make it ever new. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me, this I pray. How many know that you, the, the potter is the one that's responsible? The clay doesn't say, you know, why are you making me the way you are? Sometimes have you ever felt like that? You know, Lord, why is this going on in my life? And so no matter where the trial comes from, I believe that the power of God, if you, if you allow God to work through your life, he's going to make something beautiful out of it. I mean, sometimes people find things that with no fault of their own that have come into their life. You can still allow that to be transformed transforming in, in your life. If you allow the fire of God to come in. Can you say amen? Now I want to go over, and there's other scriptures, but look over in Daniel 3 real quickly. I want the Lord to, to work through my life any impurities to be removed. You know, because the more that those impurities are removed, the more useful you can be to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Going the wrong way here. Let me go back this way. <laughs> Daniel, here we go. <clears throat> so this is the story of Nebuchadnezzar that we mentioned earlier, but Nebuchadnezzar, 
he, he had a, a problem with, a, uh, with pride. And he wanted to be worshipped. And the Bible says that he created this image. They say this image was 90 feet tall. I mean, that's a pretty big statue. And they said, you know, when you hear the sound of the trumpet and you hear the sound of the uh, this and that, it says you're going to fall down and worship. But there were some other people that had problems with that. <laughs> and look down in um, Daniel 3, and let's see, maybe about verse 8 or so. <clears throat> Wherefore at that time certain of the Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. And they spake and said unto the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You king, you made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falls not down and worships, he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews which have you've set over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded you. They serve not your gods nor worship the golden image which you've set up. You know, it's the same way that they, they were trying to set Daniel up. And they said, you know, you can't make a decree. What did he do? The Bible says he had his, his face just like he had done before. He never changed. He never changed one bit. He said, just like he had always done, he prayed with his, his eyes toward Jerusalem. <clears throat> then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring the three then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready that at that what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I made well. <laughs> he said, it'll be, it'll be well with you if you do these things. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now, he should have left this part out, but listen what he said. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Well, he's about to find out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. Now, I want you to listen very carefully what he says. O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. What's he saying? We're, we're not worried about this. We're not careful. We're not even in fear about this to answer you. If it be so. Okay, stop right there. If what be so. What's he been talking about? Being thrown into the furnace, right? So what is he saying? Okay. We're not careful to answer you, if it be so. So what's he saying? If, if you're going to throw us in the fire, if it be so, that our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us. Notice what they said. They said, he will deliver us. Out of your hand, O king. But if not, now what do most people do right here? What do they do? They turn around and say, well, he said that he's able to deliver us, but if he doesn't deliver us. That's the, what, what most people say, don't they? But let's just follow at least just good grammar here. <laughs> if it be so, if it be so you throw us in, 
then be it known, we're not going to serve your gods. Our God's well able. But if not, but if not what? But if it not be so, if you don't throw us in, then be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you've set up. Amen. What is he saying? We may burn, we're not going to bow. But, but they're saying we're not even going to burn because our God will deliver us. Then the Bible says Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the form of his visage was changed. And it said that he should heat the, the furnace seven times hotter than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the men, the most mighty men that were in his army to bind them, to throw them into the furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fire furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took them up. So the ones that threw them in there, it, it burned them up right there. Then Nebuchadnezzar, verse 24, was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, that verse has always puzzled me. Because here is a heathen king, and he says it looks like the Son of God. How would he know what the Son of God looked like? Unless the Son of God showed up at, front, at different times. <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the, of the burning fire furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, the governors, and captains, and the king's counselor being gathered together saw them Listen to this, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God. Isn't it funny how these things change? <laughs> Who had sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they may not serve nor worship any God except their own. Therefore, I'll make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill. Because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted these three in the province of Babylon. There's no other God like my God. So I love this verse in verse 27. It said that the, the upon whose bodies the fire had no power. So, so today, don't, don't get worried or, or, you know, I'm going through a trial. You know, I'm going through this test. You know that when, when Daniel prayed, he wasn't just delivered out of the lion's den. He didn't just pray, and then all of a sudden he's standing outside. He wasn't delivered from the lion's den. He was delivered from the lions in the den. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they actually went through the fiery furnace. I mean, some people would have gotten a little bit closer. Okay, 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 we changed. But no, he says, throw us in. Our God will deliver us. He didn't just deliver them from the fiery furnace. He delivered them from the fire in the furnace. Why? Because then you couldn't even smell that, that there was any smoke on them. Who's ever been by a campfire? That just, it settles on you in your clothes. That's that smoke. Who's ever walked in a in a store and, and it just it reeks and you, you walk out and you you smell like, man, I, I smell like a carton of cigarettes. Or or you smell like a fire, or you smell like this or that. You you walk in a building, man, you just you smell the booze that are in there or whatever. And, and so what that that's what happens here. But he said, not even the smell of smoke because of our God. Hallelujah. So if you're going through something, just realize you're going to go through it. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't, don't stay there. Don't camp up and put a, don't put a church there and say, you know, church of, of, the, of the camping in the, in the wilderness or camping in the valley. Amen. Just keep going through. And so you may go through things because of your stance in Christ, but you'll come out without the smell of smoke. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I didn't write these out, but I'm, there's a couple of verses I did write down. Let me, I'm just going to turn to them real quickly. But we see this throughout the Bible. <clears throat> you know, let me say it like this. Things are forged in the crucibles of life. Now, what is a crucible? That's a container. That things are, are even my son, he, he's like, yeah, dad, we did that in, in, um, in, in class, in, in 10th grade. Like last semester, we did this and we heated it up and you, you put it in a burn, on a burner. Why? To, to bring these things, to remove the impurities. And how many know it takes the fire to heat it up? So when things are getting a little bit hot, a lot of times, you know, it's like this. When, when, when it gets hot in the kitchen, just turn on the fan. Amen. Don't just run out of the kitchen. Just turn on the fan. You'll be all right. Amen. And one of the things I didn't mention is this. He works on that to the place where he can see his reflection in it. So you get it to that place. How many know that we're supposed to look in the reflection of God's word? But listen to what he says here. Malachi 3.3 3 says this, And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall pur purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Hallelujah. See, that's what we want. We want the Lord to, to purify us. <clears throat> Zechariah 9. I mean, 13, verse 9. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people. Oh, I like that. Uh, you know, when, 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 when you call on the Lord, oh, that's Colin. He's, he's my people. He's, he's mine. When you pray and you, you say, and you, you call upon the Lord, he says, they're mine. You know, the book of Revelation talks about when the Lord makes his precious jewels in that day. Amen. How many know that's us? 
<laughs> and he says, I will hear them, I will say it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Just a couple more here. Hallelujah. How many know we're in that process? We're in a process of being transformed. <clears throat> and you know, it's not always an easy process and it's not comfortable. What does the Bible tell us in Hebrews? It says <clears throat> that, that we are chastened of the Lord. That chastening, the Bible says, is not enjoyable, but grievous. The Bible says it. It says, but <clears throat> afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. See, a lot of times if you can just look past what you're going through now and look and see the process and see that afterward, when the Lord's dealing with your heart and he's, he's, he's sometimes, you know, and this is a prayer my wife and I have always, we've talked about this a lot, but, you know, I want to remain on a very short rope with the Lord. Now, you know, it's like sometimes you walk a dog. Some of those times, you know, the, the dog's on a really long rope. Well, you know, by the, if he has too, too long a rope, he might get eaten up by another dog by the time you get him back. You don't want to be off in the devil's yard. Amen. You want to be real close to the Lord. And so, you know, I want just the little, the slightest little thing. If I'm off, I want the Lord just to nudge me. You know, even a horse, a good horse, as strong as they are, the Bible says, don't be like a mule. Well, you know, if the Lord's going to speak to me, he's got to ride it in the sky. Don't be so hard-headed. You, you, can't, you can't be so hard-headed. You've got to be <clears throat> like, a, like a good horse is rain-trained. I mean, obviously, as thick as those, those muscles and, and that, that hide is, he must barely feel it. But when he's rain-trained, you just do that over and, and, and he'll, he'll just follow and they'll go the right way. So I want to be rain trained. I don't want the Lord to be having to speak through a, a PA system for me to hear him. Amen. It should be just a real small, just a nudge. <clears throat> Jeremiah 9, 7. A couple more of these. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will melt them and try them. For how shall I do for the daughter of my people? And then 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One thing that I know is that God is interested in our, in our well-being. He doesn't do anything to punish us. Now, this is so good. First Corinthians 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Now, this is going to happen for each one of us today. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so is by fire. 
So that's what's going to happen when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I like to think of it like this. There's three different fires you should know about. Three different fires. And this is it. You can have the fire now. How many know that's, that's a good thing? Have the fire now. Lord, burn in me right now. Let, let your fire. What is that? That's the presence of God. That's the word of God. Let the fire burn in me and take out what shouldn't be. Operate on me, Lord. There was a song we used to sing. Operate on me, O Lord. Take out what shouldn't be. And so you want the Lord to do that. You know, people say things like this and they, they don't know what they're saying, but, you know, maybe when they're, they're trying to defend themselves, they'll say, well, you know, only God judges me. Who's ever heard people say that on social media? You, you better hope God doesn't judge you. <laughs> you want to do what the Bible says and judge yourself. <laughs> and, and judge yourself and, and when it comes to sin or different things and say, you know, that's wrong. I don't want that in my life. <clears throat> so that number one, there's the fire of God that we want right now. Number two, you can have the fire later at the judgment seat of Christ and then everything's going to be shown to be proven wood, hay, and stubble. And, and then like that and nothing's going to be shown for your life. Or you can have number three, hellfire. So we choose now to have the fire that burns in our life. And we say, Lord, you know, Lord, we don't hold anything sacred. Lord, we don't hold anything. I'm not holding on to anything. If you tell me to rearrange my life, then I'm going to do it. Uh, Lord, if people don't even recognize me when you're done with me, that's okay. At least let me be. And that's why we said, I'm on a real short chain with the Lord. I want to be that way where he can just nudge me and, and just say, no, you can't do that. Well, Lord, other people are doing it. Yes, but you can't do that. <laughs> and I'm not talking about being religious, but you just, just walking your salvation out in fear and trembling. Hallelujah. So let the Lord do a work on the inside of you. In his, the Bible says, in his light, we see light. Thank you, Lord. And then 2 Timothy, we'll finish with 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's look in verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are His. And let everyone that names the name of Christ Depart from iniquity. You know, Shingy and I were talking about this before the service. A lot of times people just, they just know, um, they, they say, Lord, forgive me. But they don't know what repentance is. And so, you know, uh, repentance is not just feeling bad for what you did. And it's not just saying, okay, and then I'm, I'm probably going to do it tomorrow and the next week. Repentance, now we know that, that there's an overcoming process sometimes. But when you repent, that means you turn. You, it means you change. And actually the word associated with repentance is a ripping away. Yeah. How many know you rip something off of you or rip your flesh, that hurts? Yeah. 
Well, that's what happens. Something that's maybe a habit or maybe a, a mindset that's been part of you f- for 40 years, you rip that thing away. It doesn't want to leave. <laughs> but you rip that. And But here's the thing. The Bible says, uh, if anything's offensive, pluck it out. If, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. But here's the thing. You cut it off, but the Lord will heal it up. He'll bring in the, the, the oil and the wine. Yeah. Hallelujah. So look at what he goes on to say here. That everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, and of some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself, not, not you know, just God purge me, but if a man will purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says this, Having therefore these promises, dear beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So he says, If a man therefore will purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use. And prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, love, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Hallelujah. So the choice is ours. And I just want to challenge you to let the Lord have his way in your life. And as I said, you experience a sickness and disease is not God bringing something into your life. Well, you know, the Lord's working something out. I've never found those people 20 years later ever learned anything yet. Well, you know, the Lord's teaching us a lesson. At some point they should learn it though. (laughs) But the lesson is the devil is the thief. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life, life and have it more abundantly. The Amplified Bible says this, that you would have life till it... um, to the full till it overflows. Hallelujah. And that's what God wants us to have today. Can you say amen? Amen. Father, we bless you and thank you today for your people. And Lord, we just thank you for every person that's here under the sound of my voice. Lord, I just thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Lord, that your, your word is alive. Your word is true. We bless you. We magnify you. And I give you praise and honor in Jesus' name.